Well, we are in the book of Colossians, so let me invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. At the end of World War I, Germany found itself in a devastating place. And through that, they, you know, their, their army was defeated, and they went into an economic depression. And the people of Germany became very despondent, in despair. And it really set them up for a dangerous place. Because it was after that where Adolf Hitler came into power. Now, we know on this side of history what a devastating thing that was for the world to have Adolf Hitler come to power in Germany. Millions of people lost their lives through that. But this was a dangerous time, even for the church. In fact, it was so crazy that there were people, they were Christians who were praising the rise of Adolf Hitler. In fact, they believed that Hitler was the answer to their prayers. And they found themselves captivated by this leader who was going to bring Germany back into prominence. But just listen to uh, this quote by Hermann Gruner, a pastor, a German pastor. He said this, mind-blowing. The time is fulfilled for the German people of Hitler. It is because of Hitler that Christ, God the helper and redeemer, has become effective among us. Hitler is the way of the spirit and the will of God for the German people to enter the church of Christ. Another pastor said it more succinctly. He said this, Christ has come to us through Adolf Hitler. Some of the German Christians found themselves captivated by Hitler. But for us as believers and as we look in our text, there is only one person who is worthy of our captivation. And if we aren't careful, we, like some of those German Christians, can find our hearts being led astray, being captivated by something other than Christ. And so my prayer for us this morning in the title of my message is this. Let Christ take you captive. Let Christ take you captive. So grab your Bibles, follow along with me as I start reading Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty to see it according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that we have in a dark, dark world. You are a light that shines bright. And Lord, we confess this morning, like the Colossians, we can be tempted to be captivated by things other than you. And those captivations never lead us to a good place. And so God, would you, would you sit on the throne of our hearts? Would you be the king of our lives? Would you lead our church? And Lord, this morning, open our eyes, open our hearts so that we can see this, so that we are aware, Lord, if we are finding ourselves captivated by something other than Jesus. And Lord, teach us, teach us this morning to become more captivated by you. Teach us how to let you take us captive. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in the text this morning, we, we are finally arriving at the heart of Paul's concern for the church in Colossae. You see, there have been these dangerous philosophies that have come into the world. Now, philosophy in and of itself, it's just the study of life. It's how you interpret life. Philosophy in and of itself is not a negative, bad thing. I mean, any philosophers in the room, by the way? Any? But usually it's the smartest person in the room. You ever talk to a philosopher? Like, I remember philosophy class in, in college, and I just walked out with my head spinning. I had no idea what was just said. Uh, way above me. So philosophy in and of itself is not bad. But when we put all of our hope, when we are captivated by the philosophies of human tradition rather than the philosophy, rather than Jesus Christ, rather than the word of God, it leads our hearts astray. And so Paul here is finally coming to address specifically his concerns for the church. And what he does here, what we see here, what he's already done in, in chapter 1, he does here again is reminding the church in Colossians of their foundation. You started with Jesus. Continue with Jesus. And this passage is loaded. It is loaded with references to Christ. Just listen. Let me go through this here again real quick with you. Verse 6, we see, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. Verse 8, be careful of empty philosophy, empty human tradition. Rather, those things that aren't according to Christ. Verse 9, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It's in Christ that we see all of God. You have been filled in him, verse 10. 11, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Verse 12, we see that we were also raised with Christ. And in verse 13, God made us alive together with Christ. And finally, we see that all rule and authority was triumphed over by Christ in him. This passage is loaded with references back to Jesus. And it is important for us this morning that we examine our own hearts to see what is it 
that captivates my attention? What is it that I spend the majority of my time putting energy into? And so I want to talk about three statements here that just help us to understand what it means to be captivated, what we need to, what we need to do to be captivated by him. And the first thing I want to work through is this. Walking with Christ gives us stability. Walking with Christ gives us stability. Look at verse 6 again. Therefore. So first of all, we see therefore. What do you do when you, when you see a therefore? You ask what it's there for, right? It's referring back to something that had previously taken place. Therefore. So you look back and therefore, verse 5 says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So he's like, listen, I know that you have been a disciplined people in the Lord. I know that you are firm in your faith. So therefore, in light of that, in light of the firmness of your faith, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, you receive Jesus through Lord, through, through faith, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. As you first receive Christ by faith, so walk in him. Don't forget the foundation of how you began. Don't walk away from that. You don't receive Christ and then go on to other things. You receive Christ and then you remain in him. You remain with him. And throughout the Bible, don't we see this analogy of walking with Christ, this staying with him. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about spending time with him, pursuing him. We follow him. We take action. See, the Christian life is not one that we receive Christ and then we go do whatever we want to. We receive Christ and then we stay in Christ. We continue to pursue after him, remain in relationship with him. And so what we even see here is we get some keys to how to walk with Christ. The first thing we do is we're rooted. We are rooted. How do we walk with Christ? First of all, it starts with being rooted in him. And this led me naturally to think about trees. It led me to think about plants, like the roots that take part in plants. You ever think about that? You ever think about how that works? And what a great picture this is for us to understand what it means to walk with Christ. And when you think about the roots of a plant, there are actually a few different things that roots do. First of all, roots are an anchoring, roots allow for the plant to be anchored into the ground. And so as the plant or the tree matures, the roots grow, the roots spread out, and it becomes a firm foundation to where when the storms come, when the winds blow, that plant, that tree is firmly planted in the ground because of the roots that have spread out. You see the picture there for us in Christ. The more that we pursue him, the more that we grow in a deeper understanding of who, it, who he is, the deeper our foundation goes. And the stronger it becomes so that when the storms of life come our way, when tragedy strikes our lives, we find ourselves in a place where maybe it's even a devastating circumstance, but because of our rootedness in Christ, we're not blown over. We're not taken out. When it comes to walking with Christ, the first thing that we need to do is 
be rooted in him. Roots are for anchoring. That's not the only thing that roots do. Roots also absorb water and minerals. So as those roots expand and grow, it's reaching new areas. It's able to get to more water. It's able to get minerals that the rest of the plant needs. And if the plant isn't absorbing enough water, if it's not getting enough nutrients, what happens in the summertime? They start to dry out. They start to wither. They start to die. Why? Because they're not getting the nutrients it deserves, it, the nutrients that it needs. You know, even how many of you had branches fall during the ice storm we had last week? Why? Why did, we have a big branch in our, we have a tree that's still alive, but we had a big branch fall out of it. It's because there weren't enough nutrients, enough water that we're getting to that branch to keep it thriving to a place where it can withhold the ice that was on it. Listen, you see that analogy, how that works for us as believers in Christ. The more that we get our nutrients, the water, the things that we need from Jesus, the stronger we become. Where it, it infiltrates our whole lives, it infiltrates our thinking. And so when the enemy wants to throw discouraging thoughts in our minds, as we dive into Jesus, as we pursue him, we're able to fight off those things because we have the nutrients that we need from the word of God. We are to be rooted in him. The roots are not only for anchoring, the roots are to receive water and minerals. The word of God, Jesus, helps us similarly. One more thing that roots do, they store food. They store food so that when it comes to a point where it's lacking water, it is able to pull from within itself the food that it has stored up, the water that it has stored up within it, so that it can last longer. It doesn't just get what it needs today, it gets what it needs for tomorrow and the next day. And this is exactly what happens for us as believers. You ever find yourself in a dry spell where it just seems like you open the word of God and, and it's just kind of falling flat, but you have spent time countlessly in your past pursuing the Lord and so that even in those dry times you are still taking in the promises of God that you have memorized from before you are still taking in the truths of God's word that you've planted in your heart from the day that God rescued you this is the picture of the Christian life and so the question that we have to ask ourselves is how deep do our roots go how far outstretching are they going? Are you like the palm tree that when the hurricanes come, you're able to withstand that because you have, you have driven yourself so deep into Jesus that those winds don't hurt you? Maybe for some of you, you have no roots at all. And you are driven by every wind and wave that comes your way. It could be that you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Let me just say, Jesus is our lasting hope. Amen? Jesus is our anchor. He will meet you in those times where you need him most. But it starts with us pursuing after him. So not only do we find ourselves rooted, but we are built up in Christ. We are built up in Christ. Christ. This is the idea of a, of a building. So a building having a firm foundation. Have you ever, like, just 
gone into big cities, and you see these massive, massive towers. And I'm just like, how in the world did somebody design those things? So I found myself watching this video that was very, just very interesting to see uh, the technology, the science that goes into building these massive towers. And this was in, in Shanghai. And they had this one building where they had a big hole in the middle towards the top so that when the wind comes, it's able to funnel through that hole and it keeps the building from rocking back and forth. Uh, the other buildings you may see that are twisting on the way up. You ever seen those buildings that are they're kind of twisting? That's another way where the wind hits it and it drives it off. Or you see like these round towers, these round buildings. Again, once you take away the edges of buildings, that allows the wind to come too. And isn't that a great picture of our relationship with Jesus? As we grow in him, he forms us in a way so that we can withstand the trials of life. When we start, when we are born in this world, when we, raise, when we grow without Christ, we are like just a flat building that is up. And so when the winds come, we are shake, shaken and rattled and our foundation cracks. But as we pursue the Lord, as we dive into his word, as we spend time in prayer with him, that strengthens our foundation. That creates us in such a way where we can withstand the trials that come our way. But if we're not pursuing him, if we're not in his word, if we are not understanding his promises, we should not expect to find a firm foundation. We should not expect our life to be filled with joy if our time is built on something else. You see what happens when we are captivated by something other than Christ. We are laying for ourselves a sandy foundation so that when the storms come, the foundation cracks and our house is destroyed. Rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, but also this, established in the faith. Established in the faith. It's one thing to find initial faith in Christ. It's a, it's a glorious reality to come to an understanding that we were once lost apart from Christ, but he has rescued us. He has brought us into our kingdom. What a sweet thing. But you know what? The deeper that we go into Christ, the sweeter it becomes. To the point where we are established. And when we find ourselves firm in the faith. And we realize that we have gone through a rough, rocky storm. But we are standing on the other side. It leads us to rejoice in our Savior all the more. Are you established in the faith? Are you, are you sitting on a firm foundation in Christ? Have you spent the time to pursue him through his word? Pursuing Christ is a hard endeavor, but it is one that will leave you firm in him, established in your faith. And when we find ourselves there, we're like the person in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we're an unashamed workman who rightly handles the word of truth. There are so many things coming our way. So many thoughts in the world, so many opinions out there. Is anybody else just as confused with me of where the world is? Like, I don't know, I don't know what is up and what is down in light of the things of this world. I don't know what racism is or isn't. I don't know what politics are right or not. I don't know what's Antifa, what's not Antifa. I don't know what's good, what's bad. I am lost when it comes to the things of this world. But what I do know is that we have a firm foundation in the word of God. 
My hope is not in what the world has to say. My hope is in what Jesus has to say. And so in my confusion, in not knowing what I'm supposed to say or think about all the things that are going on in the world, I do know one thing, that Jesus is supreme. He is king. He is the one that God has called me to put my hope in. He is the one worthy of our captivation. And when we understand all this, when we are rooted in him, when we are built up in him, when we find ourselves established in our faith, then it leads us to this, this last key in walking with Christ, abounding in thanksgiving. We see it right there in verse 7, abounding in thanksgiving. You want to walk with Christ, grow in being thankful. And as believers in Christ, don't we have the greatest reason to be thankful? If you stand here this morning, if you sit here this morning forgiven in Jesus, it is all because of his grace. Nobody here comes to Jesus because you're worthy. He doesn't call those who have it all together. Come to me all who have it all together. (laughs) It's not how it works. Come to me all who are weak, who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. He made us alive in Christ. We were dead. And so how can we not be but thankful? And so we have to ask ourselves, because we live in a very ungrateful world, don't we? And I can find myself in the similar place where I'm, my eyes are more turned to things that aren't going well for me sometimes than, than I'm aware of what Jesus has already done for me. But the more we turn our hearts and our affections to Christ, the more thankful we become. Do we want to know if we are captivated by Christ? If we are truly captivated by Christ, we cannot help but be thankful. We cannot help but be abounding in thanksgiving. There are numerous reasons for us to be thankful. Amen? We're not thankful because we're Americans. We're thankful because we are believers in Jesus Christ. And he has taken care of our greatest problem. Rooted. Built up. Established in the faith. Abounding in thanksgiving. And remember this, what James 1.17 says. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Do you see that? Every good gift. You, somehow you got here today. That's a gift. Do you have a place where you can go, where you have a roof over your head? That's a gift. Do you have heat? Some of you didn't have heat last week. (laughs) That's a gift of God. You're sitting in a warm place now. It's a gift of God. We can freely come and worship our Savior. That's a gift. Most of all, have you found yourself forgiven of your sin? We have reason to be thankful. Every good and perfect gift comes from Christ. And so, are you a thankful person? Here's what I would suggest that you do this week. If you're unaware of whether or not you're a thankful person, ask the one who knows you the most. And you got to lay it out there too, like, hey, listen. <laughs> I name, maybe you're a defensive person. And so you got to be ready to listen, to hear what the other person has to say. But take the time to ask someone, am I a thankful person? Or am I one that just likes to complain about every single thing? 
There's no room for, there's no way that we can be captivated by Christ and be ungrateful. Well, somebody once said this quote. Gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. Listen to that again. Gratitude, thanksgiving, is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. And isn't it true that ungratefulness keeps us down low, right? We're not going to be sailing high if we are ungrateful people. The more grateful we are, the more thankful we are, doesn't that make your life go better? When you're able to look at the good in every situation, when you're able to understand that God says, I work everything for the good of those who love me, everything, right? There's no exceptions there, well, except for that. I'm not working that for your good, but everything else. (laughs) That's our temptation, isn't it? He works everything for our good. So we have a reason for thanksgiving and everything. Be thankful. So the first statement when it comes to Letting Christ take you captive is walking with Christ gives us stability. But here's the second one. Beware of worldly philosophies. Beware of worldly philosophies. Look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So he just got done saying, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. And in verse 8, he's saying, listen, what the world has to offer is not going to point you to Christ. The human traditions, the philosophies, the empty deceit of what this world has to say is not the way that you receive me. It's not the way that I have called you to live. So you must beware. We don't know exactly what was going on here. We don't know exactly the reason why Paul wrote this. What were the philosophies? We don't fully know. But I think we can get a good understanding of what this means for us in light of what the world has to say. The temptation for us is the world can sound so good. And it's got enough truth in the world, there's enough truth in a lot of things that happen to make us, man, that sounds good. I think I want some of that. And that's our danger here. Don't think that this is like Buddhism that's coming into the world or some, or, or some crazy that you might think cult. You know, that's kind of where our mind sends to go, well, I'm not going to fall into that. But we can certainly find in, fall into different things that captivate our hearts. This is about what captivates our hearts And this is why I find this passage so profound. And isn't it true that 2021 has picked up right where 2020 left off? This week, with the storming of the Capitol, it has just reminded me of how much we need to find our hope in Jesus and not in the government. And here's what I see. I see a lot of people, a lot of Christians, just turn on social media who seem to be far more captivated by what's going on in the political world than they do about Jesus Christ. Now, I am one that believes firmly that we have rights and we have freedom in our country. 
and that we should stand up for the truth. But we should never stand up for the truth in such a way that ruins our witness for Christ. We aren't saved to go to the United States of America. We're saved to go to heaven. Do you realize that the, what we live in right now, our country, is nothing like eternity? Amen. <laughs> and so when it comes to the political realm, where do you find yourself? Some of you may, may be rejoicing in, in where our country is headed. And other of you, this week may have led you to despair. But let me encourage you and remind you that what the people were enduring this time are nothing Our sufferings don't compare to their sufferings. They were under much more hardship than what we experience. We have so many freedoms and so many good things going for us in light of what the Colossians were going through. We have we have really we we can't we can't relate to them at all. But yet we can find ourselves in despair and think our country's gonna fall apart. So what? Seriously, think about this. If our country falls apart, is Jesus still reigning? He's still reigning. And so the point of all of this, when it comes to politics, are you more captivated by what's going on with that? Are you more invested in reading the articles and pursuing everything and getting in fights on Facebook to try to win? Are you pursuing more time with that than you are in the word of God? If so, you are captivated by something other than Jesus. Politics come from human tradition. You know, this week I was reminded by an old song by, well, it's old for me. It's like the 90s. The 90s shouldn't be old, but it is. <laughs> uh, this guy named Scott Copain. And really the first time I heard it, I'm like, this is such a dumb song. It like repeats the same phrase over and over again. I'm like, I could have written that in my basement. Like, how much is this guy getting paid? And there's this oft-repeated phrase, and it's this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. But isn't that so right? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So what do people know you as? Do people know you as a Republican or as a Democrat? Do people know you as a sports nut, a shopaholic? A cook, more so than your love for Jesus? I don't think that necessarily means that you're not captivated by Christ. But it could be a good opportunity for us to question, where, where am I at? Am I truly captivated by Jesus? What do people know me as? The truth is, we can be captivated by many different things. Many different things can capture our hearts. Family, friends, money, jobs, broken relationships, Netflix, Amazon. I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. Anybody else addicted (laughs) to that? Retirement, video games, sports, shopping, just stuff, houses, COVID-19. These are all things, and we could go on and on and on and on and on. You could take anything. And it can captivate our hearts. But is Jesus more captivating to you than these other things? We must be aware of the worldly philosophies out there that will tempt you 
to find hope in something other than Christ. Beware of worldly philosophies. Here's the last statement to consider. How do we allow Christ to take us captive? It comes from this, considering all that Christ has done. Consider all that Christ has done. I love how Paul just works these verses. He starts out with, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. He warns them in verse 8, and then he turns their attention fully back onto Jesus. Just look, just listen to what he says here in verse 9 and following. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Consider all that Christ has done. The first thing that we see here in verse 9 is that, first of all, he is fully God, right? All the fullness of deity dwells in Christ. He is fully God, and therefore he is the head of all rule and authority. Do you realize that? All the spiritual battles, the demonic forces out there, the rulers in the world, the kings, the dictators, the presidents. Do you realize that Jesus is over all of them? Jesus is not powerless like some people want to say. And he's just there to kind of help us. He is reigning over them. They are, the kings are like streams in the hands of God. Jesus conquered them. We see in verse 15 this, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. He put the enemy to open shame. He left them naked. He stripped them naked and said, look what I did. Look at my power. And then he triumphed over them. This is like the idea of a king who is, comes back from conquering a nation, comes back from conquering a country, and he's doing a parade, and he's got all of the goods that he took, and he's got his prisoners on display for his country to see and to join him in the celebration of his victory. That's what Christ did on the cross by defeating the enemy. And so any threat to us is no threat when we are in Christ. Amen? Now, they may take our body. They may take our body, but they can't touch our soul. Amen? Don't put hope in your life, in your physical body here on this world. Realize that they can't take the greatest thing from you. No one can take Jesus from you. He conquered all authority. He has no rival. He has no equal. There is no challenge to him. Now, from time to time I play basketball. And every time I play basketball and somebody's guarding me, I, I size the guy up. And I'm like, okay, how can I take him? There's got to be one way. Like, maybe he's going to guard me tight. If he guards me tight, then I can drive by him. But if he takes off, then I love shooting threes. And that's my favorite thing to do anyway. And so I size up to see how can I beat him. I'm not going to be able to beat the guy in every way. But there's some way I can beat him. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't size anybody up. He speaks a word, and he has victory. And so those trials, those struggles that you're going with, those hard things that you're, you're dealing with, Jesus rules over all. He is supreme. He is sovereign. Consider Christ and that he has power over all rule and authority. Is that the Jesus that you know? Is that the Jesus that you know? Look at verse 10. He goes on. And you have been filled in Christ. 
who is the head of all rule and authority. In Christ also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So listen to this. Remember, consider what Christ has done. Christ brought you from death to life. When we were born into this world, we weren't born with a a sick problem. We weren't born needing to go see the doctor. We weren't born with like a little bit of issues here and there. We were born dead spiritually. Do you realize that? We were born with hearts of stone. We were born enemies of God, not desiring the things of God, desiring things for us. That's our natural bent. Nobody can say that they were born loving God. Oh, I've always loved God. That's not true. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that. There is no neutrality with God. You realize that? You are either dead or you are alive in Christ. And here's the reality of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He paid the price for our sin by dying so that we could be brought to life. We don't find life in this world. We don't find our hope in this world. This world is fleeting. It's dying. I don't know if you realize this. It's not getting better. There's no promise that it's going to get better. The promise is that Jesus is going to come again and rescue us. But for those who have repented of their sin and believed in Jesus for salvation, trusted in faith that he is Lord and Savior, we have been brought from death to life. Your greatest problem has been taken care of, and it's not about your performance. It's not even about your performance once he rescues you. We don't then have to try to pull up our bootstraps to do enough good works for God to love us. Amen? Are you carrying your sin? Are you carrying the shame? Jesus has come, lay it at my feet. He has brought us from death to life. Not only that, the end of verse 13. So he's fully God. He is over all rule and authority. He brought us from death to life. And we've already kind of mentioned this a little bit, but at the end of verse 13, he forgave us of all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You see, when we're born into this world, we are born separated from him. There is nothing we can do. There is no amount of good works that we can do to make ourselves right with God. Therefore, at the right time, God sent his son, Jesus. He came fully God. He became man. He was fully God and fully man. He lived and suffered on this planet And then he was brutally beaten, hung on a cross, and killed because of our sin. But he had to do that. That's the only way that we could be made right with him. Is by somebody who is perfect being the sacrifice for us. And so his blood that was shed on the cross cleanses the sin of every person who would ever repent and believe in him. He nails it to the cross. 
he took this record of debt that was endless. We were forever in the red. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus and through our repentance and faith in him, we become forever in the black. And even though we screw up, it's never going to be so much that we find ourselves in the red again. His sacrifice is sufficient. And so let me ask you, have you bowed your knee to Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? Have you come to the point to realize that you are separated from him because of sin? I don't think anybody needs to be convinced that the world is broken. The reason why there's so much junk in the world, why there's death, why there's COVID-19, why there's poverty, why there's fights, why there's broken relationships, it's all because of sin. You can find hope in Jesus through your repentance. Believers in Christ, how often are you thinking and remembering and considering all that Christ has done for you? How often are you amazed at the grace of Jesus who came to rescue you, the wretch that you still are, because he's still perfecting us, right? We don't reach perfection here on earth. We are growing more and more like Jesus, but that won't be completed until the day he returns. Are you aware of his grace even now? Are you aware that you need his grace just as much now as you did the day he rescued you? Do you realize even now you are worthy of condemnation because of your sin, and yet in Christ there is therefore now no condemnation? <laughs> When's the last time you have rejoiced in that? Or are you too full, too much thinking, too captivated by the things of this world? Where you care more about how this election went, you care more about how the country is going to look than you do the fact that Jesus rescued you. And our greatest thing that we can spend our eternity doing is to sharing the good news of Jesus with those around us. But listen, if we are not captivated by what Jesus has done, then we won't share the good news of Jesus with those who need him. Use your freedom. Use your freedom that you have in America to, to stand for what you think is right. Don't do it at the expense of your witness for Jesus. And remember, earthly freedom is no match to heavenly freedom. And there are people today who are enslaved to their own sin. And what they need is the hope of Christ. They don't need a country that is thriving. Let me encourage you this morning, what do you need to do to be captivated by Christ? What do you need to do to let Christ take you captive? Do you need to be in the word more? Do you need to get to know your Savior so that your roots grow deep? So that the storms of life don't toss you to and fro? Are there worldly philosophies that you have allowed to infiltrate your thinking, that you find yourself more captivated by those things than you do about the Savior who rescued you. Or maybe you just need to take time to remember the good news of Christ for you. He didn't just rescue you back then. Do you realize that he's also rescuing you now? 
He's continually rescuing us from our sin. And one day he will once and for all rescue us from all struggles, all tears. Remember Jesus. Let him captivate you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you from thank you for your word here in Colossians. The warning for us to not be captivated by the things of this world. Lord, thank you for the freedoms that we have here. Thank you for the right that we have to speak up for truth. But Lord, let us be more consumed by you than anything else. Lord, we're tempted to think that prosperity is what we need most. God, show us the emptiness of that. We're tempted to think that acquiring stuff is what will make us happy. But Lord, we have all the joy we need in you. We're all dying. Every day is one day closer to death. And so this world is fleeting, it's passing by. And there is an eternity that is coming for all of us. And we must face the reality of where is that eternity going to be. And my prayer, Lord, my heart is that if there are any here who have yet to bow the knee, that you would convict them of their sin, that they would see their need for you, and that they would surrender. God, thank you for Jesus who paid the price, who was God, who became flesh in order for us to be made right. Lord, you are worthy of your name. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand now? as we sing in response to the good news of who Jesus is.